We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox trying to get down White Sox, Dave, Kenny, Carkeet, and Dante. We have a huge episode this week. So much to talk about. This is the first time we've had an interview in like two weeks. We have the amazing superstar DJ Frank Walker on today along with his videographer and friend of the program, Matt Henry. We're going to get into that shortly, but I think we need to start. David, you hunting, killing machine, how the hell was it? I was saying it starting it a little bit before every, we hit record and everything. Um, I never thought that I would hunt because I like animals too much. And I just didn't think I could, I, I could be, kill a mammal. I always thought I could kill like go duck hunting or whatever shit like that. But um, deer hunting, no, but we went deer hunting and like, I had the attention span of a fucking goldfish, obviously. <laughs> so I was kind of nervous about that because, like, no phones allowed or, or nothing, really. You can have them, but you got to keep them dead silent. You're not supposed to move hardly at all. But it was some of the most enjoyable, like, adrenaline rush. It was it was awesome. And, like, when you're out there in the middle of nowhere and in, in the wilderness, your senses are firing on all cylinders. Like, you hear all sorts of birds, squirrels. We were hearing turkey. Um, and you're listening for the deer. It's just really peaceful and I loved it. And I'm definitely going to get into it. I'm going to fucking destroy animals from this point <laughs> forward. Dude, from everything that I've seen from the tweets from chief, from the tweets from Sydney Wells, apparently you're a natural dude. Apparently you were just out there fucking shit up. I have only shot a gun. It was years ago, one time. And it was like a handful of shots. That's it. I think I hit about 18 of 20 clay pigeons. And Jesus. like her dad's like uh, a mega famous hunter. He's got like a million YouTube subscribers, just a monster in the hunting world. He hosts a relentless pursuit on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, obviously he's a big deal. He's like, you're like a prodigy. And he, he thought I was like the most gifted hunter that's never hunted ever. It was pretty funny. Then I got, you know, about 50 yards from a deer. I'm using a, uh, a 20 gauge right or shotgun with uh, slugs. So like bigger yeah, bullets, yeah, yeah. no sights or anything because chief couldn't hit. He didn't wait, hit a you, single. Wait, you were going to shoot a deer with a slug with a slug. Yeah. Cause <laughs> the other a hole right through its fucking back. Yeah. He says it would be like, it would fucking, it would basically, I'm like, can you shoot ducks with this? He's like, let's be illegal. And there'd be nothing of the bird left. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, but so chief had to use the better gun with the scope and everything. I was using just, it, it, it was uh, Tim Wells's first ever shotgun. I'm about 50 out and fucking pulled the trigger and I whiffed. Oh. It was heartbreaking. I have not stopped thinking about it. I wanted, and so he had a bow on him and that was the only shell he had on him. So he had a bow. I'm like, give me the fucking bow. Give me the fucking bow. He's like, you're not going to, like, that's an impossible shot. So I don't even try. And I'm sitting there lining up with the bow and then I'm like, that's an impossible shot. So you're uh, I'm going back in two weeks. I love savant. it, man. You're like a murder savant. Slug dude. is gnarly. I mean, that's not an easy shot anyway. If you, people will think a shotgun like spread of the pellets, but the slug is just like one little thing, it's, one little metal thing. Right? So, like, yeah. That's not easy at all. We've we've gone over my fact that I can't shoot guns because I have a large scar above my eye from the scope of a gun because I'm a fucking moron. I don't touch guns. I don't mess with it. I can't do it. Kenny, first off, Kenny, how the fuck are you? 
I'm good, man. I'm I'm hanging, chilling, working, living. You know, I was gonna tell Dave that uh, when he wants to learn how to hunt people, he can come out to California. I'll take him out to my range. <laughs> we should do that, like a Squid Games type thing. Where, we're like, you know, bro, I am zombie apocalypse watching. prepared. You wouldn't fucking believe, like full psycho. Oh, Kenny, now we're talking. Fifty pound, <laughs> pound bag of rice, fifty pound bag of beans, full arsenal stock. Don't tell anybody. Okay, yeah, relax. I remember one of the first episodes you ever hopped on. You're like, dude, I got a fucking weapons arsenal in my. <laughs> well, it all started because I had an, an actual intruder at my house, in my house with everybody home. And I didn't own anything at that time. And you go, you know, your brain goes to worst possible scenario. I've seen yeah. enough scary movies to know what can happen. Can happen. Got to remove all possibilities. So I dude, did. have you ever have you ever heard the Sturgill Simpson story that he told on Rogan? No. Oh, what? He yeah. had an intruder in his house, and Sturgill's from Kentucky, and just had a piece on him. Had a fucking big ass like rifle, and like, it, so that's why Sturgill like locked everything the fuck down because he had a dude actually in his house trying to steal his shit, and he yeah, confronted bro. dude the David St the David Spade story with his fucking uh, yeah, assistant. Look, I have no guns. I have a giant dog, and that's where I am. I don't want to say this on bro, air. I had three dogs. Do you know where they were while I had an intruder? sleeping not yeah a they bark it's, at the fucking wind fucking outside shit. somebody at the house not a peep out of them fucking I, like how, I like how i preface this with saying we have so much musically to talk about so far we talked about intrusions dave murdering how you, you mentioned sergio simpson there we hey, go and hey I, yeah last but not least dante how the fuck are we good man all good i'm excited you guys are uh coming to town in a couple weeks aha uh -huh, and that Everything, leads me, everything's ahead. coming like full circle right now I'm it's headed all your coming way together, Wednesday, Colin. I'm going to be in Philly. I know. I hit you back, dude. We got to take the ladies out for some dinner or something like that. We'll go grab a drink. Yeah, as soon as I figure out what uh, if we have family stuff or whatever that night, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll be around. But Dante, like I, you're armed like, to the gills too, right? I'm what? Armed to the gills. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We really yeah. shouldn't talk about it. Dave Williams is the feds, dude. Dave hey, Williams. What? No, I'm not. As long as it's legal, who gives a fuck? Like, I, I will, I will be the proud owner of a gun within the next month or so. I can see By the Dave, new year. Dave has a fucking RPG in his house. Dave keeps a rocket propelled <laughs> grenade launcher by his bed. It'd be sweet to have one of those. Oh my God. Yeah, I can see that going terribly. But I digress. Let's get into today's interview. Like I said, we have Frank Walker, huge superstar DJ, just got done doing the entire festival circuit. We go through Canada. He's a Canadian, a proud Canadian. We go through his upbringing, getting back into shows. We also have a bonus guest, his videographer, my friend, Matt Henry, one of the first guests to the old version of the podcast. We go through a nice 40-minute conversation about the EDM world. I learned a lot. Uh, Dante, we got to talk about you a lot as well because obviously you're in that world. But uh, before we get into the interview, it's something we do cover. Dante, a question for you. I asked Frank, who is the greatest DJ of all time? I mean, actual DJ, not one of these like EDM producer space bar players slash DJ. Yeah, <laughs> greatest DJ ever is DJ AM. Without without rest a in peace, rest question. in peace, rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, I he's like the Michael Jordan. Um, all right, so we'll go with the EDM world. Like, who's the the greatest in the EDM world? Um, I would have to say, based on his career, 
so far, I would have to say Tiesto, but I think when it's all said and done, um, I mean, he's in his fifties right now. No uh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's old, but he's, he's been doing it forever. He's been doing it for, you know, 30 years at the top of the game. He's a household name before DJs were, you know, rock stars like they are today. Uh, he kind of paved the way for the electronic format DJ. Um, I think when it's all said and done, though, I think Calvin Harris is going to be up there. Ooh. And I actually like a Cal- fucking songwriter, though, too. You know yeah. what I mean? He's on so many levels. Yeah. Dude, that Funk Wave Bounce album was Dude, fucking so incredible. Good. Like, so I listened to the whole fucking he's, thing start to finish. He's a he's a genius, man. He could literally you, you could give him any genre of music. It could be classical composition. He would. I mean, there was a video I've been, I actually blogged about him last year and my friend sent me this video like seven or eight years ago before Calvin Harris was pop radio, Calvin Harris. And I can't find it anywhere on the internet anymore. Um, I think they scrubbed it, but he did this like tutorial on how he's one of those freaks that I'm super jealous of that, um, can see colors. Oh, synesthesia. Yeah, when he when he hears music. Um, I've like, never I heard of this before. Explain this. Lord is one of them too. That they they see music visually. Like we hear music audibly or sonically, they can see it. They're they're fucking freaks. It's like one percent of the population is born. Yeah, it's like people with golden ears and perfect pitch. Yeah, so he did this video and it was fucking like, <laughs> like you had to sit down and your your head was just spinning afterwards. He created this song with these like light beams and um, they used paint and he had these like six assistants in it. It was it was fucking nuts. It was one of the coolest things I ever saw. And from that point on, I was like, this guy's on a whole nother level. So, yeah, I think him. And then I would say to round out the big three, I think from a technical standpoint and just guy just rocks a fucking party so well, you're going to be surprised is uh, Skrillex. Ooh. I've seen him throw down a couple times like, fuck, man. It's and I so mean, good. But he has the rock background, too, from first to last. He was a fucking screamer. Like, he has that background. Everyone has this idea of him as just this hard dubstep, you know, festival DJ. But I, I've seen him, I mean, he popped into a club one night. I was playing at Underground. He was in Chicago, and uh, he just stopped by. I did this radio interview with him a few months before, and he popped in and, like, got on the decks, and I gladly stepped aside. And he, I mean, he played stuff that he would never, you would never in a million years think, and he fucking crushed it he was unbelievable he's a great so, producer too we, he's dude, awesome man. i'm dead serious we man. need we need to have an episode where we just trade stories like just one episode where we just oh, trade yeah. stories that's a great fucking that's story by deep. the way yeah that's gonna go deep and i'm fucking excited about it i'm gonna leave out who frank said his greatest works that's at the end of the interview stick around for that but we have so fucking much to get into this week i literally have number things to get into let's get into our interview first with frank walker and matt henry All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guest this week 
We have Canadian, we have EDM DJ, Mr. Frank Walker, and friend of the program, Matt Henry in the building. Gentlemen, how the fuck are we today? Woo! <laughs> I'm good. It's good uh, to be here, virtually. Virtually. Matthew, how are you, buddy? I'm good, man. Just living the dream, trying to recover from another weekend on the road with Frank. Where were you guys this weekend? Uh, Nashville, Ann Arbor, Orlando. Then I did a pit stop in Miami. We're back down back in Toronto. And we're off to uh, Houston tomorrow for 24 hours, less than 24 hours. Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> you guys said, you know, the pandemic was long enough to wait. We're just going to get right back to going full force. Yeah. I mean, to, to start the entire thing out, like, obviously, the EDM world is such a fucking live world. It has to be a live event. What's it been like to finally get back out on the road? Uh, it's been incredible. It, uh, I kind of feel like it went from zero to a hundred, like overnight, there was nothing going on. Then the clubs were losing so much money. And as soon as like, okay, stuff's open. Fuck it. We're just going to go like fully back on. Like I, when Vegas picked back up, I did the Vegas residency with Kygo at the Wynn hotel. So at excess and encore this past season. And like it went from me not playing a show in about a year to me playing for 4,000 people before Kygo like overnight. So Jesus Christ. Good feeling, though. Like I would, I would much rather have it be that way than easing back into it though. Well, were you in Canada the whole time? Like, were, or were you in the U S uh, I kind of bounced back and forth. Uh, there was weird quarantine. Where, like if you're coming back to Canada, you had to uh, get a quarantine for two weeks at your home. So I obviously didn't want to do that. So I do where like I've been out of the States for a few months at a time, then come back quarantine see my family for a bit, get a bit of production done and zip back down and do work down in the States kind of in big blocks. I mean, dude, it was like, uh, who was it? The Toronto Blue Jays had to move to Tampa just to be able to play their season. I know Canada had it rough up there, but Matthew, what's your reaction been getting back out on the road? Because what did you, you just went to your cabin and, and shot random drone footage of Montana, right? Yeah, I spent a good portion of my time during quarantine working on my vacation rental business and hanging out in Montana. So that was that was nice. But yeah, I mean, literally from June, I think the like the first weekend in June, we went down to Mexico for a festival in Cancun. And like prior to that, I hadn't been around more than like 20 people for like a year and a half. Jesus. And then all of a sudden it was like nothing had ever even happened. And we were just out there crushing a show on stage. And there was like pyro and it was like crazy college kids in Cancun. And it was like we were just back like instantly. And ever since then, it's just been nonstop. Dude, Matt hated I, it. He prefers shooting. He, he prefers shooting buffalo and or other <laughs> other wildlife instead of me. It's way less annoying. Like, oh my god! Get back on the road. <laughs> it's so, and I mean, I'm an outsider in the EDM world. I'm on the rock side. We have Dante, who is an EDM DJ. Like, what have the crowds been like? Has there been any weird apprehension going back to everything? Because watching all these crappy videos that Matt's been shooting, like, I've, it just looks like an insane setting for everybody. Like, what's it been like? Uh, it's been pretty nuts. Like, I. I was so ready to get back to it. I did a couple of live streams over the pandemic and as a DJ, nothing's weirder than sitting in your home by yourself, trying to be energetic, like staring at a wall in front of you for an hour. It's like, it's so weird. I can't feel like if people like, you don't know if people like your set or not. Uh, I was so ready to get back. And I think like after that kind of first week or two, like the people that were like, Hey, we're getting back at it. They were so excited to get back and play shows and, it's been pretty wild. Like every show that we've been playing has been like sold out or like massive crowds or hitting capacity, uh, whatever they're allowed to, whatever each like state by state you're allowed to do. But people have been itching to get back. And I don't know, it's been awesome. What's been the craziest set so far? Has there been one that stood out to you? Like you're like, oh my God, shows are back. This is this was the starting point. My first one back in the States was opening for Kygo at Red Rocks, like second on the roster, like on the roster for the show. So like it was a full house when I played. There was like, 
nine and a half, 10,000 people there, like first show back in the States after 18 months. So that was definitely, oh my that was definitely nuts. Uh, been a couple of crazy ones though. Like I played both, uh, both the EDCs of like Orlando and the one in Vegas it was my first EDC. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty crazy. Like that was the festival that got me into DJing seven years ago, six years ago. And saw it. I'm like, this is really cool. Like I should try this. And now like six years in a pandemic later, I'm on the main stage. So it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty wild. I mean, dude, that, that actually brings me kind of like to my first point. It's kind of your origin story because the research I did today in my dense, you know, extensive research, your parents were more on the business side, right? Your parents, you grew up like in more of a, like a financially secure household, right? Yeah. Growing up, I thought I'd be working for my family business. Uh, went to a small university up here. Uh, always liked music, but never really thought I'd do much with it. Like went to an art school growing up and I played trombone. Because it was the funniest look. It was the funniest looking instrument in fourth grade. It's like I want to play that one where you slide the thing weird. Um, went to university up here. Uh, played rugby on our varsity team for two years and started deep in our house parties. And our team was really shit. So I'm like, I'm tired of getting my ass kicked. I want to keep playing these parties. I started playing college shows. Uh, and then I graduated. Started producing music around that same time. And after like about a year, like production started taking off and went and linked up with my manager. And I don't know. It feels that was like. Like I feels like two lifetimes ago it was probably like four and a half years ago or something, five years ago. It's like really yeah. not that long, realistically, like four and yeah. a half years and you're playing these giant festivals. It's pretty yeah. quick. One thing I did notice being that I know Matt, we have like three failed college athletes here. I appreciate that. I did a year and a half of shitty college baseball. Matt was up I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I played varsity and started for three years and at King's college for all four years, division three football. I did not quit or <laughs> anything like that. So I would say two failed and then one who had a slightly above average athletic career. All right, dude, you're not cashing checks, hitting people. You know that, right? Did you play, Matt? Yes, I started for three years, bro. Uh, My name is on the wall in the locker room at King's College forever. What did you write it there? Anyone anyone can buy a Sharpie, Matt. I get it. I won an award my senior year for, I don't even remember what it was for. Hardest. It wasn't for like best player. It was more like the guy who tried the hardest. (laughs) Matt got most effort. That's what he got. And I appreciate that. But I mean, it is funny though, because I was like reading your backstory and I was like, this seems like every parent who owns a business is like worst fear is like, my kid's going to go be a DJ. And then you like show up and you're like, hey, by the way, I've been in nine cities in the past four days. How does that feel? Like, was there ever a moment where you looked at your parents and you're like, I knew what I was doing? Uh, maybe probably halfway through. Not like at the beginning, it was a bit more sketchy. But like when I was younger, it was funny. I've loved cooking my whole life and I wanted to be a chef. And I was talking to my parents, like, you know what? Like the hours are really bad. You work only weekends, a really tough work environment. Like go get your business degree, see what you can do after that. And I decided to become a DJ after that. So they're like, get a real career. And then you know what? Yeah, the, the restaurant <laughs> industry, the hours are just too easy. You know what? Yeah. I want to do that except traveling on top of it. Yeah. yeah just doing it in front of 10,000 yeah. people, which yeah, that'd, be the quitters, that'd be the quitters way out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, so like you do decide to make that jump into music. What was the first moment where you knew you were on the right track? Like, was it meeting um, your manager or was it more like, was there a show or a song that was like, okay, I know what I'm doing now? Uh, I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. So Same. Same. <laughs> uh, Matt doesn't know what he's doing either. If you've looked at any of his photos, it's why no, we got no, along. Not a damn clue. Um, no, like I, before I met my manager, Miles, who uh, it's like, he has me and Kygo or his two big DJ acts. Um, before that, I was like self-producing everything, doing my own artwork, doing my own release, like my own releases, own my own record label, like doing all my own promo, uh, booking shows through Ontario, the college circuit through my friends in Matthew University. 
And uh, it was going well, but it's like, it was that point where it's like, okay, I can't do all this by myself. Like at, at some point you got to like bring other people on. And I think that's kind of where I took the leap. And it's like, I talked to my mom and she said, well, like, you can like, people are DJs when they're 40, like Tiesto, but you can't like start DJing when you're 40. Like, right. Give it a year or two and like, see how it goes. And like, I don't know, then see where you're at from there. Um, and like kind of a year into that, I met Miles and then the project wasn't bad before, but it's like, kind of, okay, like we need like, dial in the direction a bit this is right uh kaiga was working on an album so he had five months off he's like hey we like five months well kaiga was working on an album ultras in five months in miami like let's see if we can put an ep together and like come up with a, like a, a proper direction for the project and like kind of define your sound and get you a show at ultra so i think that that first show at ultra i was probably like felt like that's what uh, i was like shitting my pants because it was so big but that was kind of the first moment and right before i go on stage my manager pulls me to the side because we had a pep talk he's like it's like it's a really big show i know you're nervous but People from Spotify are here. People from Apple are here. People from William Morris, your agency are here. So don't mess up. I'm like, why the fuck would you tell me that? I haven't played a show in eight months because you haven't let me play. I'm at the biggest stage of my life. <laughs> it's it's that pep talk right before you walk on stage where you want the Rocky moment where someone's going to grab me and be like, you can do this. Anything is possible. And they're like, hey, by the way, don't fuck this up because everybody's here. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, uh, so we got Frank's origin. Matt, you've given us your origin before. But I, before we got on, my first thing I asked Frank was, how did you wind up with Matt Henry? Because I don't understand this. Matt, can you give me your version of the tale? All right. My my version of the tale, uh, I used to tour with this DJ duo called Young Bombs. Uh, I did a lot of work with them, other Canadian friends. They're still really good friends of mine. I saw Martin last week for the first time in two years, and that was just great. We were down in Miami, Miami Music Week, just doing our thing. Um, Young Moms played Ultra earlier that day, and then they were playing a show at Story Nightclub later that night. Uh, God, like I get the wrong, I get the wrong story earlier. This is, there's a further, there's a oh, prequel. There's mean, a prequel. Like, there's a prequel like, where we, we actually like, met. We like there's very briefly. We like w- very briefly met at a two friends show like a couple of months before. Yeah, no, I think Ultra was Frank. Frank, Frank Frank, Frank didn't really know the two friends show was in January. Frank oh, they had Ultra in March. Okay, so I had it right. You had it wrong. Frank didn't pay any attention to me. The two friends showed up. Um, but uh, then we were in Miami with, with Young Bombs, a story nightclub. And then we all ended up like, I don't know, just walking over the bar and Martin and Tristan were like, oh, this is our buddy Frank. And you know, we started taking shots. We got hammered drunk, which is what you don't really do. Yep. There was one point where me and Frank were like, let's go stand on stage and check it out. We walked over there and we were there for like 30 seconds and we were like, this is the worst place on earth. There's like 7,000 people up here for the chain smokers. Like, yeah, that oh was God. like uh, the last night of Ultra, like the, yeah, the biggest was, after party. It like it was like shit show. being squished into a, like a can of something. I don't know. And then like, uh, maybe like two months later, uh, I like, it was like a Friday afternoon and I get a, a random DM and, and it was Frank. He messaged me and he was like, Hey, I have a show in Atlantic city tonight. Uh, you, uh, you want to come shoot it? And I like, I think I was supposed to be shooting at like the nightclub in Philly or something. And I was like, I'm in, sign me up, drove to Atlantic city. And then I like, I remember it. Cause I got brought into the hotel room and I was like, not really sure what to expect. I was like, I don't really know. Like what, what the, like, is this going to be like just a one-off show? Cause I've done like a bunch of those in Atlantic city. And then it's him and his tour manager. We just kind of like sit down and like shoot the shit for like 20 minutes. And then like right after like 20 minutes, Basically, his tour manager was like, so we need somebody to do a bunch of other shows. We have Arizona and San Francisco next weekend and this, that, another thing. There was like a whole tour that they were on. And they're like, our our old photographer just left to go work for Sean Mendez. So <laughs> I was just saying to call him before, like so my old photographer, uh, uh, Connor Brashear is like younger brother to me. But we were playing in New York and he came out to shoot my show. And Sean Mendez's manager was there. And I think Sean had a show the next night. And uh, his manager's really good friends with Miles, my manager. And he's like, hey, we're missing a videographer. Can we borrow Connor for a night? 
And then like Connor came to like one more show with me after that. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, we want Connor full time. And he's like, he asked me, he's like, he's like, Hey, like this is obviously big, like shooting for Sean Mendes is huge. So I'm like, yeah, go for it. Like I didn't want to like hold him back. But then like, then we kind of got to that tour and like Connor came out to like one show, like Kai was a photographer, Johannes was at one show. We had a couple of random photographers jumping on board who all had busy schedules. Uh, then we, then we met up with Matt and I think the, like, the stars kind of aligned because you had an opening your schedule and, like, hey, we're going on a tour for what, like, sixteen shows over the next couple. Yeah. Of so you can thank Sean Mendez for your job. Yeah, yeah. shout out, shout out, Sean Mendez. I appreciate. But it. Frank, don't lie to me. Off the record, if you saw Sean Mendez in the club, you'd knock him out, right? You stole your guy. Like, you have to do that, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm, friends with, I'm friends with Sean too. I'm not happy they made me stuck with stuck with Matt Henry, but <laughs> you just punch him and you just go. Thanks for Matt Henry, dickhead. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a friendly punch. Too. Yeah, exactly. You've had plenty of chances to fire me in the last two and a half years, Frank. And, and now here I am on a podcast with you. So anything's going to break it. Hugh Matt, we need a we need to have a one-on-one call after this podcast yeah. is over. Yeah, Matt, this was all an elaborate ruse. Like yeah. he contacted me off the record. He's like, we got to find a way to fire Matt. We have to do it through Frank this podcast. Frank Walker so. fires his photographer of two and a half years live on a podcast and that's great for me because that would be clickbait i would like that that would be good for me but if i learned anything from hearing both of your stories in a certain perspective it's kind of where i am with the whole barstool thing it's like i don't know how the fuck i got here but it all just happens to be like chance who you know and kind of how bad do you want it and i mean frank for you like now that you're back to doing shoes like what's the ultimate goal moving forward because you're already playing these giant festivals you're already smashing spotify like what do you want to get to is there a point you want to get to i think like you always keep growing as an artist like over the pandemic i had a lot of time to sit down and work on the sound i was producing for myself and i don't know for me you always want to keep growing and like i have as i keep growing i get the chance to work with bigger and better artists uh and obviously that that also like helps your music evolve um and like i've had that point where i played like every big festival but there's always like you can keep getting better time slots and I don't know, like keep reaching more and more fans and sharing your music with people. So I'm like, I'm definitely like super like fired up about where I'm at, but like, I don't really, I don't want to stop. It's like, I want to keep going and keep working on new music. And I think we're going to drop an EP in March. We have a couple of big singles. We're going to start rolling out like beginning of 2022, like the first couple of singles of that one. So uh, it's like, I think like you're in like, like rock world, you know, do you know two feet? Yeah, I know two feet. Yeah, so we like we have a single like with two feet coming January oh, that we like we like we teased it together at Bank of California that show we played like uh, a few months ago with Kygo. Um, so that's the first one that I don't think anyone else is like far enough locked in where it's like, allowed to talk about it. But that's like the first big one we have coming next year, which is going to be huge. It's like, a really cool mix of like I said, the sound keeps evolving because he's got that cool kind of like lo-fi voice and guitar. Yeah, we mix that into a dance song, and I don't think he's done that before. So it's like I, I don't know. You get the experience to keep working with artists and evolving and growing creatively. Keeping I mean. The two feet, I did not know that was happening. Is that like the first time you've announced that, or is that kind of floating out? In the uh, we've like brought him out to that big show in California for like 20, 15, 20,000 people. Yeah. And I played the song out, like he was on stage with me there. And I'm like, oh. we're like, hey, we want to like say, like, not like we haven't made like an official announcement outside of like tagging him in like Instagram stories and like bring him out, bring him out, and that kind of stuff. So I'm so snake bit by this because we had a producer, his name's uh, on the podcast like two months ago, and this is before he announced it, but he's like. We're like, hey, dude, what have you been up to? He's like, oh, man, I just got done working on the new Chili Peppers record. And nobody knew that there was a Chili Peppers record coming out. And we were like, holy shit, like breaking news. Like what? And right away, I got an email from him right after. And then his manager right after, like, if you put that out, you will be assassinated, basically. And I was like, okay, I've learned to ask at least. But so you no, have- that's, not, that's not when we're like hiding it. Like people like we like 
very we like played the song live like once like i played it live a few other times since that like it's just like we don't have like an official like release date announced yet i know it's going to be probably in january and like we haven't finished like album art and we haven't shot a music video but like it's it's, it's one of those things where it's out there and like we've agreed to like like all the splits and stuff on the record and like it's like it's happening at some point so who do you who haven't you worked with yet to feature on a song who you would want to like your dream collaboration who would you pick <sighs> I hate this question. I feel like there's so many artists. It all depends. All, honestly, it all depends. Like, Give me something that's weird that people wouldn't expect. I love, like, obviously he's not alive. Like, I think Freddie Mercury would be, like, insane. Obvious, for obvious reasons. Uh, I'm a big Coldplay fan. But, like, mm-hmm. a lot of people a lot of people have done the Coldplay Chris Martin collab. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how it would work. But, like, I love Muse. Like, I think Matt Bellamy from Muse is, like, one of the best musicians in the world. Like, yeah. For obvious reasons, he's crazy at guitar, piano, and vocals. I don't know what would come out of that session, but he's the only person I've met. Like he was at Coachella when we were there watching Kygo set, like in the VIP. And I walk, I'm like, I never do this, but like you were so fucking talented. I said to come say hi, like see you have a good night. Like I don't think there's no one else I've really like ever like walked up to you like in like a setting where I'd bothered them. But music would be crazy. Like it's one of those things I don't I don't know what will come from it, but like. I could see it though. I first off, I love Muse. Muse is a very like large topic on this podcast. We all love Muse, but damn, that, Matt Bellamy is a genius. He's an absolute genius. But then, like working like that kind of two feet lane, where it's like it's kind of like riff heavy driven guitar, which like it's not the same as Muse, but it's like like one degree off that. Like obviously, yeah. Matt's voice is different, but like instrumentally, that's like kind of where it could be like maybe like a house track with like heavy guitar on it. Who, who knows? We're I mean, that's, out there, it's out there in the ether now. One it has. That's the other breaking story. Frank Walker wants to do a Muse collab somewhere in the future. Dude, you got to put it into the universe. That's exactly how it has to go. But I like the fact that you're bringing kind of the guitar side too because people like, I don't know, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine is doing collaborations all the time now. Like, it's happening more and more. And of course, that's kind of like where you guys, the EDM world fit. But actually, I guess the last Ultra I played was on the, like, I played on the live stage at Ultra. Like, this has been like pre-pandemic. Uh, we like I brought out like two drummers. We had like five live singers, a sax player. We did like this kind of cool like hybrid live dance. Uh, oh, yeah. that but on the live stage, Tom Morello played after me on the live stage. So I've opened up for Tom Morello. <laughs> what? Jesus Christ, dude! I, I, Matt, I haven't asked you a question in a minute because I forgot you were here. But I, I love you very much, Matt. Who do you want to? Who do you want to shoot for? Have you like if you could get anything? Beyonce. Oh, yeah, this one's easy. The Rock. Hands down, oh. I would leave. I would leave Frank in a heartbeat if I got a call from The Rock to go travel with him and just create his behind-the-scenes content. Um, we're both from the Lehigh Valley. Um, oh, that drive, Matt, you got it. You I look just, exactly the same. You're both the same height. You have the same yeah, tattoos. I mean, exactly. But I mean, I'm just, I'm just a huge fan of of everything he's about. I think he sends a great message, just as far as like being a super positive role model but also like a real person at the same time which i think is extremely fucking rare nowadays what a great, um, great set of eyebrows he's beautiful a beautiful bald head like he's gonna know. be the president that's one why Matt likes him yeah of course i mean he's setting he's setting the example right um, but yeah i mean that's that's just really what it comes down to I, I just love everything he's about because he's one of those people that sets a great example but doesn't make you feel like you need to be perfect to to yeah. be a good person he's gonna be six foot five and incredibly jacked <laughs> to be, to be a good and have an incredibly beautiful smile all you need is millions and millions and millions of dollars being perfectly groomed just a handsome motherfucker and you will be able to be the positive impact on the world that you choose to be 
But uh, before we get out of here, because Frank, I did have one question. And once again, I, I said I'm kind of an outsider here in a, in a lot of perspectives on the EDM side. Who do you consider the greatest DJ of all time? Uh, there's like a couple of different answers. Like I think Avicii, like from like what he did, like he had obviously a massive following and he took a bunch of risks and brought other singers and songwriters into the dance space, which kind of, I feel like helped break it into like this kind of new direction for dance. I think that's always going to be like one of those answers where like he, yeah, I think he's like my favorite as far as who my favorite best artist is. But then you kind of got to like, like Tiesto is like the first one I kind of fell in love with. He's the first one that kind of brought dancing from the underground into like, he played the Athens opening ceremony or closing ceremony for the Olympics. So he's also like, he's like the first one I think that I had, I really like, like I'm like, Hey, this is pretty fucking cool. Um, I think that's good. Then also kind of the step between the two, like I know he gets a lot of hate, but I think David Guetta did a lot to like, he was the first one who got like massive superstars into the dance space, which like, was a bit cheesy at the time, but like he like broke down that kind of wall between like clubby underground music. It's like, Hey, like it works if you have like Akon on it. Like, right. I mean, like not saying like, not saying like sexy bitch, that track was like, Oh my God, this is a masterpiece. But like, it like, it broke down the barrier for like other dance artists to get in, get in the door. And I think that kind of like also kind of helped set the stage for artists like Avicii to like get these big collabs and stuff too. I think he kind of like proved like the kind of commercialness behind it. So I think those three are the answers that kind of, you- set the groundwork for where dance music is today, what, whatever that would be, like eight to 10 years ago. They kind of created, they created this opportunity for producers to have like their own stage performance artist brand. Like prior to that, like there's always been people producing pop music, like in the studio, like making everything except the vocals. But yeah, those, the guys you just mentioned are the ones that really like were pioneers in allowing like, DJs and producers right. to get on stage and perform as solo acts and have their names really attached to the music. Well, that actually brings up a good point, though, because I think this would be my final question. Like, so doing what you do, you produce things and then you take them live and you become your own brand. And then there's people like Max Martin who produce from the back and they don't really ever come out or play live shows. Like, do you think a super producer like Max Martin could come out and be a DJ or is being a DJ a different set of skills? I think it's like a like obviously like, I'm sure you can learn it. He's obviously very talented, but there's definitely something different than just like, hey, I made this and go play it live. Like I, a like I edit all my stuff to have different kind of effects and build ups and stuff for live, and I'll mash it up with different tracks. But uh, for me, the hardest thing as a DJ is like I, you can't like really learn it overnight. It's like you got to be able to like, learn, learn how to read a room. Like for a festival, it's like I go, I play a lot of my own music. I know what's going to work for a festival, but tomorrow when I go play Houston, like I haven't played in Houston in three years. Like, I don't know what the people like in music and like Houston musically. So like I have to play it for an hour and a half. I probably have six hours of music ready. So like, okay, I'm like, this like, isn't working. I'm going to switch the vibe up and try to take it here and see how they react. And obviously people like as the night goes on, I have more drinks and want like the kind of vibe and energy in the room flows. Like sometimes if people like are a little too drunk, you got to start playing heavier music to like force them to you know, yeah. force, force them to stay awake, you know? So um that, that's like the biggest difference between a producer and a dj but then you look at these like incredible producers like max martin or like uh like a rick rubin or something i, I guess rick rubin's a bad example because he actually started out as a dj for right. the beastie boys I'm, ignore that second example but, but i like, couldn't imagine rick rubin yeah. on stage at ultra being like let's fucking go you know what i mean rick rubin's gonna sit in the back and spin vinyl yeah but then there's also like that kind of side where they have like i'd say they have more freedom as well because like for me it's like i'm producing a sound i produce for other people as well and like i've written for songs that didn't end up with my own project. Like I love the songwriting side too. And like they've gone with other artists. Um, 
but they always kind of have like, they're always the first goal of mine is to produce them for Frank Walker as an artist. So like they always have a bit of my, my style or my sound and for my sets, they have to be a certain tempo. So that's always kind of in like the back of my mind when I go into a production session or a writing session, but for someone like, like Max or Rick Rubin, they can be like, Hey, like there's no, I'm working with a completely new artist. There's no boundaries for me creatively here. Like I can put on a different hat and go produce in this world, which I think is like, is really like creatively like, awesome because you have that freedom I'm not saying I could do it but like there's like times where like I produce stuff that's super down tempo and cool and like it just doesn't work for my live sets of course and that people kind of blows up that people get pissed at me for not playing in my live sets like oh I love that song it's so, well, like if someone doesn't know it it's like way too slow and kills the vibe so in the Matt you, you'll get this reference and Frank I don't know if you're a football guy but like do you how much of your set do you script like they always say like a football team had like your first 15 plays or your first drive at least is usually scripted how far into your set are you scripted like your beginning and end or do you kind of go on the fly based on the room uh it kind of depends on the show like back to festivals like that's pretty like like i try to get as much amount of music as possible in like an hour-long festival set so we kind of know where that's going to go and we have people firing off effects and pyro and stuff and like time, like you queue up the visual. And so it's like, they know the kind of general order my set's going to be in, mm-hmm. like whether it's like I do different effects like live or like kind of tweak stuff live that kind of varies. Uh, for club shows, like if I go in, like I said, that 90 minute set, I have 90 minutes of music that I really, really love that like in a perfect world I play. And then like I can kind of switch in and out of that. But I usually have like my first three or four songs, usually things probably three to five songs i know are ones i'm going to play off the start like i usually start off one of my own songs and with one of my own songs i have like my intro and outro blocks kind of mm. ready and then i'll kind of flow in between like i'll be like oh i can know these three songs like mix well together so i'm like maybe like i'd like but they're not the right keys like i'll play these two and then get to those three which are right for the crowd and kind of reevaluate from there and you're always looking like five to ten songs ahead to see where you want to kind of take it Unless like you play a song that's absolutely horrible and you're like, oh, I like, like, and then just play Switch something completely, completely different. It's like that was bad. Hopefully no one remembers. <laughs> just get on the mic. It's like make some noise. <laughs> All right. Well, Frank and Matt, this has been an absolute pleasure. We want to have you guys back on soon. I know you guys are going to be in Houston. Where else can people find you in the next couple of weeks? So we're hitting a bit of like a not a lull in touring, but it's been pretty hectic the past few months, and we're getting to the holidays. We have a uh, Houston on Friday, then I have a week off. Uh, Two shows down in Cabo for like Palm Tree Festival. So my manager company started like we Cagos Bells with his own festival. So two shows in Cabo early December. Um, and then it's pretty quiet, like pretty quiet for the end of the year. I'm playing Saskatoon, which is in the middle of nowhere in Canada, but the people go really hard. So we're playing that for two years. And then uh, I think we're gonna announce 2022 touring soon, but I, I know I definitely want to do a big Canada cross, like cross Canada tour because I haven't played in my home country in like three and a half years, probably. Like we had a big headline tour lined up and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. We're going to definitely do a big tour up here. Uh, next season, I'll be with Kygo. I'm pretty sure back at the win. Uh, something like that. And they'll, they'll be like, I don't know, pretty much anywhere Kygo is to end up opening for him. We'll mix in my own headliner shows around that. Beautiful, um, man. Yeah, it, it's going to be a big 2022. Like, we did pretty well coming out of the pandemic this year, but I think next year we're probably looking on track to like 50 to 70 shows over the years. So, beautiful thing. Things are back to normal, man. And I was going to say, Matthew, you know, I love you very much, right? Likewise, Colin. I'm super glad to, to get back on here. Glad we got Frankie Boy out here too. So I think the last time you were on, we talked for like two hours. We just sat in the Rec Philly studio and just talked. It was a good time. It was like literally middle of the pandemic. We like had to like like sneak in the back door of the studio just to be like allowed Dude, to go in. There. And we were like talking about like relationships, marriage, life, everything. This was much more business-like, but I still loved it. Frank, it was absolutely great to meet you, brother. I uh, can't wait for the new music. 
Hopefully I see you guys soon. Other than that, I appreciate the time. You guys have a great day. All right. Awesome. Thanks for having me, dude. Appreciate it. All right. So that was our interview with our friends, Frank Walker and Matt Henry. Check them out all over the place. They're getting back out on the road. They have new music coming out. Check out that song with two feet. That's going to be dropping. Dante, I wish you could have been there for that. Cause that was a great conversation that I don't know that much about the EDM world. So I was fine by the seat of my pants, but they're great fucking dudes. And I'm really excited to see what Frank has going on. But like I said, we have so much to get into this week. I'm going to go by numbered points before we get into on the list, off the list, and what the fuck we've been listening to. Let's start out with number one. The new Adele album dropped. And I have to say, I am so fucking happy I was ready for this because it was it was outstanding. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Dave, your opinion. I loved every second of it. Oh, my God. Just we listened to the it on the, on the way. So we were about four hours south when we hunted. Uh, listened to it. Both both ways. It was outstanding. Unbelievable. Uh outstanding. Dante Dante, you were hot on it. What'd you think? Yeah, I was blown away. Um, I I wrote a blog on it that I really wanted to not like it based on I don't know. Did you any of you guys watch the CBS special she did last yes. week? Yes. I watched it and I wanted to gag my fucking <laughs> brains out. It's just Adele used to be, for people that don't know, Adele used to be this underground. When she first came out, no one even knew what she looked like. Because she, pavements. Was she was terrified of the spotlight. She hated publicity. She was afraid to perform in public. She was this, like, mysterious, just incredible voice. And over time, which, good for her, she's worked that out and, you know, she's comfortable on stage now. But... This fucking special was just the biggest Hollywood circle jerk I've seen oh in a long time. Oh, my God. Yes. Fucking Ellen front row. Yeah. Lizzo, Drake, which was really weird. Uh, and then, you know, all the talk show fucking hosts, and they're, they're all crying crocodile tears, and everyone's oon and on. It was like, God damn, man. Fucking Get the fuck over yourselves. Disingenuous. Disingenuous. Big time. But this album dropped and I went in being like, yeah, let's see what this is about. And it was fucking unbelievable. It was, uh, I, I think it's her best album. Yes. Front to back to date. Yes. I agree with that. I don't think it has the best singles, but I think it's the best record. Agreed. Agreed. And, and it was really nice to hear somebody make an album with care. Like really make something that they crafted for a specific reason with a specific backstory. And I think the coolest part about all of this is Adele, through her stature and the greatness that she has, changed the way Spotify distributes albums and lets you play them. How great Fucking is that? Incredible. Kenny, did you hear about this shit? Yeah, bro. Get rid of that shuffle button, which is a nightmare. Fuck the me. shuffle yeah, button. Yeah. Fuck the shuffle button. Fuck it. Because we. I, she said it herself. She said, if I can make a little teeny change in our ever-changing music industry, we make album sequence for a reason. No, Play on that way. button should no, just no, no. be for they, playlists. They used to. They don't anymore. But the fact that she did this with this amount, we've we've talked about this on the podcast yes. before. How they used to listen to an album beginning to end because it told a story. Yeah. And you know, artists. Everyone had their own. Everyone had their own fucking process for track listing. I know Garth Brooks purposely put his like three best songs at the end in order mm. of his, what he thought were the best songs of every album. So the last song in every Garth album is his favorite song from that album. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, we talked about interludes and skits and all that shit. Yeah. And those had purposes back then. Now it's just single, 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 single. I, I think about people who would shuffle something like OK Computer or something like The Suburbs by Arcade Fire. Like, you dumb fucks. There's a reason it's sequenced like this. Shuffling all should only be for playlists or yes. like every album that an artist put out all together. Like, it yes. shouldn't be for a... You know, but I mean, hey, the shuffle's been around since fucking CD players were invented. Agreed. And I want to move on from Adele because we have a billion other things to cover. But 30 was an excellent piece of work. And I'm really happy to see the changes that were made. Number two this week, Taylor Swift re-releases her version of Red. And I will eat crow on this because this is probably my favorite Taylor Swift record. Um, what I want to say about this is... I'm glad that it's time that people have started to notice that the fucking fan army thing is creepy. It's weird. <laughs> it's fucking weird. You can't say anything about Taylor Swift without like 30,000 children in your DM saying, telling you to kill yourself. Dave, did you see what happened with John Mayer? No, I don't think so. I was, I mean, I didn't have shit for service for two and a half days. Yeah. But I do not. I, I know what you're talking about. I got suspended from twitter because i called bieber bitch because he said he liked frozen pizza and his stan army just reported me all, all i said was bit or no i said pussy pussy yeah yeah i said yeah. pussy and his, I, like it was just a nothing tweet now here's the story suspended. now you guys remember we did this whole conversation about taylor swift re-recording her albums i said i hated her and i also yep. said in the podcast i was afraid that her little stan army was going to come fucking find my address and burn my house down what happened was she wrote this song about Jake Gyllenhaal like 50 years ago or whatever. Oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. And now then so all yes. her Stan army like started basically saying like Jake Gyllenhaal needs to kill himself, all this stuff. People started jumping in John Mayer's mentions saying, wait for that song, Dear John, to get remade and we're coming for you. I hope you kill yourself, you sack of shit. John Mayer found one of the DMs. It was from like a 13-year-old girl and it said, I can't wait for Dear John to come out. I hope you fucking die, you piece of shit. And he responded and said, hey, um, I just want you to know I'm randomly, I've, I've gotten about a million of these messages this week telling me to kill myself, but I randomly picked yours to respond to. You can screenshot this if you'd like to, but I just want to ask you, do you think if I saw this, this wouldn't affect me? And the girl was like, oh my God, I never thought you would answer. I don't really want you to kill yourself. I'm sorry. And John was like, okay, yeah, no, good to know. But just think about you before you say this kind of shit. I love that that you had to watch somebody squirm. It is weird that it was a 13-year-old and that person gets like outed as being like a crazy person, but like the Stan Army thing freaks me the fuck out. And I don't know if anybody else saw that, but the Taylor Swift thing, I told you, she weaponizes her fan group. It scares me. I like talk, I was talking with KFC last night. I guess he fucking drew them in on him. He's been dealing with it for like two weeks and... uh <laughs> he's just like I don't think it's good. Ever gonna, he's like, I'm on I'm on their side. <laughs> Kenny, what do we what do we say to the people who come and tell us to kill ourselves? What is a three letter phrase that you would say back? Bro, just LOL. It gets them every That's time. Every All time. I, I mean, uh, but the thing is though, like I don't know. The Taylor Swift people are probably like, we need to just be peaceful and positive and all this shit. And then they come in your DMs and tell you to kill yourself. What the fuck are we doing? It creeps me out. Good for Taylor Swift for getting her masters back and doing all this shit, but chill on the weaponizing your fan group. Uh, number three this week, there was a couple other great albums that came out. Uh, Kate Trinata, who I think is one of the most underrated musicians alive, 
new record. Freddie Gibbs and Jada Kiss with a new single, which I'm all the fuck about. Uh, and then Luke Holmes with a new single, which I absolutely adore. Kenny, I know this is probably going right over your head because it's more of the pop country realm. Don't care. Dante, I know you love Luke Holmes. So any response to the record? He debuted it at the CMAs mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, last Wednesday. And I, you and I talked about it. I mean, he's just a fucking hit machine, man. I mean, I know he doesn't write all his own songs, but Nobody he does. definitely knows how to pick what is going to be a smash. I mean, it's all he does is just fucking smash after smash after smash. I got a special place in my heart because my buddy Rob helped write it. Uh, but Ooh, the that's gist, awesome. The gist of the song is, it's called Doing This. Uh, the gist of the song is, the chorus is, if I wasn't a major success, I would still be playing in shitty bands with my boys at bars for beer money. And I thought that was dope. I love for, that. Great message. Love the guy. Love Luke Combs. Great shit. Shouts out, Rob. Uh, number four this week, Kanye and Drake have made up and are playing a show at the LA Coliseum uh, to Fuck free Larry Hoover. Two. Fuck you, Dave. Uh, Kenny, are you going to the Coliseum show? Fuck no. I no. Don't, I, I don't go to concerts anymore unless I'm invited. Like if, guess, if, guess Kanye, if Kanye and Drake hit you up and we're like, hey, Kenny. Of course I would <laughs> fucking go. But like, man, I Hypocrite. just like you're talking general admission for a concert. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> God, Ew. sir. Dave, Kenny, they we're for the common man. You're out here telling me you won't even go to a concert. No, it's fuck a, no. I love you. That's so. like I yelled at Dante at uh, uh, the Windy City Smokeout this year because he took us from our perfect private viewing area right next to the stage and went like 200 yards in, out into a sea of people. I was like, where are you taking us? He's like, I want to watch it from out here. I'm like, fuck I'm a, that. We got I'm like man, three listen, booths and everything. I'm a man of the people. Exactly. I'm a man of the people. That's what I told Ryan and Dave. And I hadn't been in a fucking concert crowd in two fucking years because of COVID. So I wanted to, I wanted to fucking soak it yeah, up. I'm the, I'm the same man. I, I, even no, I respect I the fuck out of it. Even if I get invited and I get guest list, I'll go deep into the crowd. I'll go fucking barricade for a band that I love. Yes. But I like to be able to escape to my area, you know, when you want. Yeah. Yeah. With, yeah. With the, with the mellow yeah, yeah. bar. Yeah. Now I will say this though, a club show. I'm all about it. Getting up close and personal festivals. Ew. No, I'm good. Dude, dude. You want to know I, the secret to getting up front to like the barricade in a club show? My, my crew taught me this. Uh, all you need is a flashlight, which you're allowed to bring in, Ooh. strangely. And if you just flash it, flash, 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 like towards the ground, people all look and they get Epilepsy. out of your way. It's the, it's the way that the techs would escort us, the band members, through the crowd all the time. And I'm like, what? Give me your torch, bro. You just flash, 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 <laughs> and they part like the red seats. Dude, that is... Idea. Edit this out because everyone's going to start. Yeah, you got to edit that out, <laughs> but I'm 1,000%. But it works, yo. Fucking works. Oh, oh I, I, know, I know it will work. It's genius. That's genius. That's a genius move right there. You can uh, use but, your cell phone, dude, and just like wiggle it like this, and people move right out of the I way. thought Kenny was going to say, what you do is you just flash it real fast, and everybody has an epileptic seizure and drops. Yeah. <laughs> run I thought he was going to say he was like impersonating security or some shit. <laughs> no, man. People are dumb, man. I've met yeah, Kenny, man. but I've, I've seen Kenny in person before. If Kenny was security, I'd pick him up and give him a rock bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Small guy. Uh, was that an yeah, Asian joke? No, Ooh. not at all. Absolutely not. No. This we have is Asian a Heritage Day now in the U.S., bro. Do they? Kenny, what what yeah. would you say if I wish you a happy Asian Heritage Day? 
I don't. I mean, I'm barely Asian. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess I'm half Asian, but is that barely or is that mostly? I don't know. That's half. I'm a quarter no, Italian, no, no, and I act like I'm the most Italian person alive. So, Italian. Everybody's Italian. Exactly. Everybody from who's like partly Italian or, or Irish acts like they're from off the fucking boat. So I don't even want to hear it. Uh, but on the Kanye and Drake thing, good for them. Good for Larry Hoover. Uh, I would go see that show. I would. Uh, next and second to last, uh, the American Music Awards were on last night. And I'd like to read a tweet uh, from hopefully one day friend of the program, Tom Morello. Uh, he was live tweeting the event last night. And his exact response was, Watching even the slightest bit of the American Music Awards makes me want to consider that there is likely a very little hope for either America or music. Tom Morello, I salute you because it was dog shit. I can't. How am I supposed to talk shit about a god like Tom Morello? Here's how. Yo, you're not helping at all, son. No, no he's not. Yeah. Like, not at all. Yo, it's not good. His surface level shit is too much for me. When you went, like, because I toured with him, hung out with him a lot. This is going to pain me to say because I like him. He's a really nice guy. But, like, you really realize quickly that Zach was the political one. Even mm. though Tom's a Harvard political science graduate, his shit is so I did not level. know that. Wearing Kaepernick jerseys the day of the knee first kneeling, like, all this stuff. Zach would have never done that. And he's so much deeper in the politics. It's just, I don't know. Tom, you know, chill So out, he's so. virtue signaling. Kind, kind of, you know, it's like every time he'd pull up his guitar and on the back it says arm the homeless, we'd be like, ooh, <laughs> fuck the homeless. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. But uh, about the American Music Awards, there was a great performance last night, too, actually. If anybody saw the Silk Sonic performance. It was the opening. I literally cried and cummed at the same time. Yeah. It was so, fucking I, incredible. I've had a blog sitting in fucking drafts on Barstool for 10 hours today because nobody fucking works there anymore and post my shit. Um, but yeah, I covered I covered this and you you took the two main things from the blog and just off the top right there, Colin. Cried and combed? No, Morello's, <laughs> Morello's tweet is dead on. It's like, if you... So I went back. If you look at the AMAs from like the eighties, they were fucking unbelievable. It was like, yeah. it was like uh, Lionel Richie, Luther Vandross, Hall and Oates. I mean, it was just like fu everyone just fucking so coked up, hammered, and just partying. Like, yep. it, and now it's just all this fabricated. It reminds me of of listening to the radio, but with your eyes. It's yes. just, is this us becoming okay boomer generation though? No, no, it's just, it's, it's, no I know, more, I agree. It's more payola bullshit. It's the same shit that the label shoved down our throats on the radio and, and streaming services, but it, it officially crowning them on an award show. Yeah, well, <laughs> let me ask you this. On a scale of one to one and a half, how excited are you that Machine Gun won the best rock artist? <laughs> Yo, okay, no, so no, 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 we no. don't like to bring kids into this shit, but I saw a picture of him and his daughter, and the way he was dressed. His goddaughter. Oh, if that was my God. fucking dad, like, yo. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here with that fucking dress ass blouse bullshit. You suck. Dude, he gave a speech because he won best rock artist, which Dante, cover your ears because I know there's a relationship here. And I don't want to ruin it. But <laughs> oh, Ozzy Osbourne spits in his mouth. Let me go the fuck off. Yeah, fuck him. God damn it. Don't you hit me with that. I heard that the rock star was dead. 
but it doesn't look like it here. Motherfucker, you are the headstone above the casket of the rock star. <laughs> the farthest are, thing from a rock star dog, I've ever seen in my you life. Are, you are McDonald's, basically. You are the farmed, raised version of a rock star. You are literally a computer-generated gener image of a rock star. You look like you got strapped in a chair like... You were in fucking, what's that movie with the, uh, Stanley Kubrick did it. Um, something orange, Clockwork Orange. You look like you got strapped in the Clockwork Orange chair and they just played you what a rock star is supposed to look like over and over and over and over again. And they spit you the fuck out. And you still got pink it wrong. Mother, and you still got it wrong. How is that humanly possible? Shut the fuck up. Go back to making mediocre frat rap, you fucking loser. Yo, Harry I'm Styles is a bigger rock and roller than fucking... Harry Styles is the fucking man. You know why? Because I believe him. Right. Because exactly. I believe him. Yo, a lot because of haters I, in here. Because I believe <laughs> him. It's about believing it. Like, there are still rock stars. And you know what? Most of them are rappers. What do you want me to tell you? Rockstar is a fucking attitude, but it's not just that. Rock and roll is not dead. It's being overshadowed by bullshit of corporate interest over the top because they see what can make money quickly. I'm tired of it. There's great bands out there. There's the Marcus Kings of the world. There's so much great fucking music coming out, but you don't hear it because it's not put in front of your goddamn face on a major playlist. Suck my balls. Fuck the AMAs, except for Silk Sonic. I love you. Also, there was a band there called Mainskin from Italy. Maneskin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skin, whatever they're the fuck cute. it is. Fuck you. They're the biggest band on earth right now. Yo, Dude. they're tight as shit. Yo. Yeah. What, like, why it, Why are they famous for that begging remake that's been done 5,000 times? Yeah, though? Yeah, Everyone yeah, thinks it's their song. Because it's on a playlist. Song. Because they have a full record coming out, and that's how they're going to spread a little pepper on the fucking meal. It's good. Know? It's good. My mom showed it to me. My mom is a 60-year-old Italian lady from Philadelphia. My mom's like, have you heard this? They're like, their manuskin is like what the struts wishes they were. It's like, <laughs> it's like if you shoved the struts and Kaleo together. It's like a fever Kaleo. dream. I love Kaleo, too, but he's got the raspy voice. My boy, my boy manages Kaleo. That's oh, my awesome. buddy does their sound. We probably know the same people, man. No, oh, yeah, it's Bruce Bruce Kalmick. He's Chase Rice's manager too. Bring him on. Let's fucking go, baby. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's the man. I want to get great. I want to get off this topic before I start to scream and curse. Yeah, let's which go. I've already done. Uh, let's move on to the last thing. Kenny and Dante, some explaining to do. Kenny, or I'm sorry. Dave and Dante, some explaining to do. Kenny, you're involved in this as well, and so am I. Let's talk about the Barstool Sports female singers list that everybody thought was serious. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid bastards. Jesus. <laughs> Yo, best troll ever. I mean, it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it was, just, it was perfect. Lists. It's a great thing when you're when we're over here trying to launch the Barstool music idea, and it's like now people are like, oh, I'm sure Barstool really knows what the fuck they're talking about with music because these dumb motherfuckers see JoJo at number three, and they're yo, like, Ashley, oh, no, this Ashley is real. Simpson. <laughs> Ashley Simpson. Ashley Simpson. That's incredible. Together, yo. <laughs> I don't know, but they're I geniuses. I think that was our, uh, our Lights Camera Barstool or whatever guys was, ken jack it was very and jeff very, d low yeah i mean very, it's out it was outstanding and i liked because i saw kenny comp kenny did you think he was serious at first i thought it was serious until i saw the ashley simpson name and then i was like okay obviously this is a joke yeah, but yeah. i still commented like worst list in the history of lists <laughs> you know like, let me for, for those who don't know what we're talking about i'm going to go over it so this is barstool sports top 10 female singers of all time they're arguing about uh taylor swift versus whitney houston for some reason 
Not even a competition. I, it's, there's there's Yo, no. Whitney Houston's a better fucking singer, and she's a crackhead. And dead. Yeah, she's and dead. dead. No, I, but that's just it. I think everybody was in agreement. She's the better, like, musical. Like, she's got the best voice ever, arguably. Taylor Swift's probably had the more successful career. To everyone who thought that the Barstool female singers list was real, number 10 is Addison Ray. God yeah. damn it. Learn subtlety. This isn't real. Let me go over the list real quick. Mariah Carey, number one. Maybe that's the how they get you because that's how they get serious. you because yeah, they might yeah. be serious. Number two, Whitney Houston, obviously all time legend. Number three, JoJo. You don't just turn it off there and go, oh, okay, it's probably fake. People were literally online being like, oh, of course, Barstool would put this list out. Shut the fuck up. It's a joke. I mean, Gaga being on here at four, Aretha Franklin's at five, Beyonce, Ashley Simpson at seven. <laughs> Beyonce, I don't even think is a good singer. Oh, uh, that's wrong. Beyonce is a great singer, but I love you to death. But Addison Rae's a 10. Does Addison Rae make music? I don't think so. She's like TikTok star, right? She just like dancing shit to other people's music or something. I don't know. But she's got songs. She's like that fucking Dixie D'Amelia girl who had Um, a song in this summer, which is like, again, it's embarrassing to like real musicians. Dog, it's like we're living in the world where the monkeys are a thing again. You know, like the Partridge family. Like, it's like we just make things up and say that they're pop stars. I don't know. I just thought that the list was funny. Uh, and that's going to really round out what I wanted to talk about. We went through a lot of shit in a short amount of time. I like some. I got something talk. I'd like to talk about real quick, though. Oh, my Lord, David, go. I'm offended go. by that monkey shot. Oh, come on. Sleepy Jean is a banger. You a big Davy Jones guy? Dude, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> there is some monkey. My mom was a big monkeys fan of the TV show. I grew up watching it. I'm still, I'm still on some of their songs. Yeah. My mom had good musical taste. So I didn't do that. So just, (laughs) I'm sorry. That was fucked up. I apologize. My mom doesn't have musical taste. My mom just listens to Springsteen and Bon Jovi and that's it. So I back off. (laughs) Uh, Nathaniel Ratliff in the night sweats dropped an album called the future. And it's like the best album in the history of music. He keeps getting better. They're one of my favorite. They're fucking so good. It keeps getting better. Uh, they are so fucking good. It's like they'll never be mega famous or anything because of the style of music, but they're like some of the oh my god, I just can't get over how good they are. Top I to mean, bottom. They sell out amphitheaters. Like they're a big band. No, I know they're band. Yeah, I know they're huge, but I mean you're they're not never gonna, gonna go viral on TikTok or something. Exactly. Like shit like that. Right, right, right. That that I think you're correct. I've heard that the album is great. I haven't gotten into it yet. But uh I guess that's all perspective of like what's big nowadays. You know what I mean? There's like right. real, there's like real shit and then internet shit. So there's a difference between. Yeah, them. I mean there. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the album is called The Future. It's fucking just a plus, top to bottom. Got to spin it. Uh, let's go in on the list, off the list, Dante. Because I was a dick, I will let you start. Um, we, what are we doing on the list or what we're listening to? On the list to start. On the list, uh. Skip over me, actually. I'm gonna Dave. Redo, I'm going to redo this. <laughs> You're going to read me? Is it a list about the monkeys? Yeah. Go. <laughs> I should, actually. Go. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll go into on list, off list. Dave, why don't you start? Uh, I'm going right back to the wall. I'm going to hunting. I, it's gonna, I can't wait to do it again. We're going back in two weeks, and I'm going to get a deer. I'm going to have my freezer stocked for the entire winter. And, uh, yeah, I love it. I can't wait to, can't wait to do it again. You have a bloodlust. 
You it is. I, I like when I missed that deer, I was like completely outraged with myself. I still haven't stopped thinking about it. Was that the biggest adrenaline rush you've ever had? My Almost heart was blood. beating 1 million miles per hour. Good Lord. It, it, but it's, it's like, it, it's such a fucking rush. You spend mm-hmm. a weekend with your boy, Kenny, man, we'll get you shooting straight in no time. <laughs> Love deep sea fishing. Too. I've been deep sea fishing a few times. Oh yeah, I've I've never gone deep sea fishing, but I would. That's my world, to do Florida that. boy. It's yeah. the same rush, but you don't have to kill the animal. You can. We were killing the animals. We were. Uh, <laughs> so when we went deep sea fishing in the Keys one year, I was like seventeen, and um, they had a cooler that was like the size of my fucking apartment, and there was like it was a party boat, so it was like fifty bucks a head to get on, and there was like fifty people on it. You're on this massive, massive boat. You bring your own booze, all that shit. Instead of like paying, you know, a couple grand to charter a boat um, with like six people or whatever. But uh, we were catching grouper and snapper, I think it was, and that you catch a kit, the fish, and they would put a mark on it with a buoy knife, and they'd throw it in the cooler. You get back when when you get back to the dock, the restaurant right there. They cook you like mountains of the fish, and it's super cheap. It was really, really cool. That's dope. That's, I like that's that. some Florida ash. Yo, I'll catch a yeah. Florida marlin with a fucking hook and line, and then shoot it with a shotgun. <laughs> right in the boat. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> fucked up, Kenny. That's the scariest thing I've ever it's heard in my entire life, man. Fish yeah, fish don't have feelings. feelings. That was creepy <laughs> as fuck. Holy shit, uh, Kenny, who's on your list? Yo, this is gonna be a bit of an explanation. So, on my list today is a band called Guar. Does any any yeah. of you guys know Guar? Hell oh, yeah. Very 35 well. 35-year fucking veterans, the most insane band on earth. I'd never seen them live. I went and saw them last night because I was invited guest list style, like I said. Mm. The gnarliest fucking insane show I've ever seen in my life. It's like 52-year-old fat men wearing, like, I mean, KISS-level costumes times 10, right? Like, I don't know how they're performing. They've got rubber dicks that are shooting out jizz and fucking blood (laughs) all into the crowd. There's, like, a fake set of tits that this guy's wearing, and they take an axe, and they cut them off, and the tits are shooting blood all into the crowd. The front of house guy and the lighting guy both had tarps to cover their console for all the cum and boogers that were coming their way. (laughs) And not to mention... They're incredible. A metal band that's playing like the fastest solos, double bass drum kicks, but also wearing the most insane shit. Like, oh my God. I was like the whole time I was watching, I was like, what the fuck am I seeing right now? This is the craziest shit I've ever seen. They have to have a prop master, two semi trucks, like the production they put on. Oh my God. I've I've always wondered this. Are they aliens or demons? Yo, so I said this last night. I was like, let me see if I can bring this up. I saw this last night and I was like, I think it's like seeing a band from outer space. Like, I mean, look at these fucking guys. They're they insane. look like uh, Legion of Doom. Yeah, I, I've yeah, seen it's like before. orcs from Lord of the Rings playing metal. You know what I mean? Which like, name a better show to go to. That sounds fucking rad. This fucking guy. Well, this guy's dead as fuck from a heroin overdose, but like, <laughs> it's just fucking mental. Super crazy. Oh my God. Anyways, Gore's on my list. Uh, Guar is on your list. That's a good pick. Dante, on your list. Roast pork sandwiches, baby. Yes, sir. Let's go. Yes, sir. As I said, coming to Philly in two days, and I have my list ready to go. Give me your list. John's, Dinnick's. We went to John's. John's was good. I got to try the – wait, what is that John's roast pork? Yeah. Okay, that's the one I have not tried. What's the other one, real big one? Denix. Denix yeah. is my favorite. Denix is uh, 
uh, Dante, if you go to the Knicks, you go to Reading Terminal, there's a yeah. bar in Reading Terminal called Molly Malloy's. Yeah, I've been there. That's my drummer Jimmy's family's business. Oh, no shit. And they are incredible. Get a Denick's roast pork with the long hots and the provolone cheese and the broccoli rob. Go over, grab a beer from the Ivines. They'll fucking take care of you. Uh, the roast pork sandwich is the superior Philadelphia sandwich to the cheesesteak. Yeah, I've been, I've been saying this. I don't understand why everyone, like, credits Philly with the cheesesteak. I mean, anyone can do a cheesesteak. They're fucking whatever. But the yeah. roast pork, I've never had anywhere like I have in Philly. And also... Those long hots are fucking hot, man. The I best like thing in the world. Shit. Those things yeah. burn your face off. I, I literally always go to jury duty when I get it because it's right next to the Knicks. And I, I step out of jury duty and go to the Knicks. It's the best fucking thing in the world in the world. That's a how many cool. times wait, how many times you've been on jury duty? Five times, maybe. Like I see never said once. I get Jesus. it's because I always show up. They keep sending Jesus. me back. I know. I've been on jury duty. Holy so, shit. I thought you were gonna say like twice. Dude, the last time I went was during COVID and it was like 3,000 people in the convention center. They were picking it for like a capital murder trial. And I was so scared that I was going to get picked. I sat there for like nine hours and didn't even get my number called. But I got the Knicks. So it was a good day. Uh, I got the last time I tried to go there, they were sold out. Dude, it's fucking incredible. Dave, when you come there, we'll bring you to the Knicks. I'm telling Perfect. You, I'm in. It's the best thing in the world. Uh, my on the list is it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, the sunny, the sunny boys have joined the podcasting space. They automatically went to number two behind Rogan. Uh, Sony's probably the greatest, like long running, like dirty TV show ever. It's fucking amazing. It's the best. Uh, shouts out to Rob McElhenney. He's a Philly dude. Went to St. Joe Prep all time and i need to listen to the podcast because it's probably fucking outstanding you haven't but, seen his other show mythic quest it's i heard it's hilarious funny as fuck it's heard really it's good. hilarious uh i've never gotten into always sunny and i know i'd love it i remember i've seen a handful of episodes the one i saw they like got stuck in a drained out pool so they're like ordering pizza <laughs> and shit to it and it was laugh out loud funny start to finish and i just never got into it that and curb and i've seen seinfeld oh, like a God, billion times so over good. And I've only watched like five episodes of Curb in my life. See, I'm the opposite. I've seen all of Curb and I've barely gotten into Seinfeld. I need to go back and do that. Seinfeld's the goat as far as I'm concerned. It's like, it's, Dude, as far as just sitcom, it's the funniest TV show ever. You need to go and watch Sonny because yeah, you'll, you'll lose it. It's the I know I'd love it. It's right up my alley. It's just one. Of, it's like I, I never saw Shrek until last summer. <laughs> it's just one of those shows that I know everybody in the, on the planet seems I know I'd love it and just never seen it. Boom. Shrek, by uh, the way, I loved every second of it, and I saw it as an adult. It's actually a dirty movie. It is a dirty movie. It's a great, uh, it's a great movie that has like winks to adults the entire time. Exactly, it's yep. a kids movie, but it's like there's a exactly winks to adults is a perfect way to put it. Yeah, Dave, who's off your list? Um, I got the Chicago Bears. I fucking hate that team. Like it's gotten to the point where like I'm rooting against them because I want pain inflicted on them. And they, they're not even jockeying for, like, draft position because they don't have a first-round draft pick. It's just a dumpster fire franchise. I hate them. Uh, like, uh, there's not one redeeming quality about this team. The players all seem like nice guys, but there's no. There, it doesn't seem like there's, like, a quick fix. You know, some teams, it's like, oh, we just did this. There's we, not. There's not. There's not. Justin Fields is hurt now. It's just, it's bad. Dante, your opinion on the Bears. Well, he's not a Bears fan anymore. He's got the Patriots. He's in the city. Oh, by the way, congratulations to you because the Patriots are back in first place. 
<laughs> how convenient, right? Yeah, how Dude. convenient. I I don't know, man. I um I just don't get it. It's like the definition of insanity, but I'm I'm in I'm in the bubble, but I'm not fucking insane like all the fans are here. Yeah. I've I've been here through three coaches now and I've seen the same fucking situation play itself out every time. And I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because the fans get it's like so, Groundhog's Day, man. The fans get so fucking excited and worked up into a frenzy like they did when they drafted Justin Fields. And they convince themselves, we got it. We needed a quarterback. We got our quarterback. Blah, blah, blah. But they don't think back to how many quarterbacks they have fucking ruined in the past because <laughs> the fucking symptoms are still the same. They're same. still diseased fucking franchise. And they're never going to fix it until they fucking cut out the cancer, which is Ted ownership group, front office, GM, coaching staff. I mean, you could bring, you could honest to God, you could bring Brady and Gronk here and the Bears would find a way to ruin them. The Bears could have drafted Patrick Mahomes instead of Mitch Trubisky. They would have found a way to ruin them. They, they never miss on fucking ruining anybody they touch. Well, the Eagles are back. That's so well that's said. Good. That's, that's good. well yeah, said. That was Dante. very well said. Uh, nobody had a worse week than Kenny because the University of Florida fired Dan Mullen, which is. I stopped watching Gator football this season about two weeks ago. It's just, it's too painful. That's how I am same, too, with the, like, same with the Magic, dude. We had one of the best draft picks in the fucking league already. We fucking suck. I hate. That's a cursed franchise, too. That's a cursed it's franchise. It's 100% a cursed franchise. No championship. Man, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, well, me and Dante, both our teams are back. So at least something good's happening. Uh, Kenny, off your list. Uh, you know what? Not a lot of shit pissed me off this week. Um, Congratulations. But, so the best one I could come up with was. Forced family holiday interactions during a politically divided pandemic. <laughs> Everything is normally bad during the holidays anyway. Now throw in the fucking pandemic. Like, and my family is so split. 50-50, extreme polar opposites. It's, um, it's Thursday is going to be a shit show, but whatever. I'll eat good food. <laughs> can you do me a favor when you go to dinner? Can you just pick one side? And, yeah, just, yo, just and just die hard. hard. Yeah. Go no, in there. I just like telling both sides why they're both wrong and they're both idiots. You know? Yeah. And then you yeah, walk out of the room. Yeah. And then you walk out of the room and they're they're like, God, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking hate it here. Oh, I just God. get high as fuck and go through it, you know. Same, dude. I just get yeah. so drunk. Yeah. I just yeah. sit on the couch and watch fucking terrible football all day. Yep. yep. This year, and, I'm going to pop a gummy and just space out. And there you go. <laughs> there you go, my man. My family out. I'll take the fattest oh. fucking nap for nine hours. Boom. Love it. Dante, off your list. All right. I tweeted this the other day uh, to bring this whole fucking segment full circle. Taylor Swift fans. Yes. They're turn <laughs> Honestly, I used to be so big on her. They're fucking turning me away from her so much i can't even tell you your First profile off, picture on twitter with was with her for like 10 years i feel like <laughs> yeah no but, but i i was on her before like 1989 and she got all these like fucking yuppie fucking like loser fucking fans that go gaga over everything she does now that even when it's not that good like Back to the AMAs. evermore won album of the year last night what yawn yawn 
Dude, that's not even like I wouldn't even put that in her top five albums. The album of the year was Call Me If You Get Lost by Tyler the Creator. That's my pick, but I disagree. Okay. I, I, I digress. Teach their, teach their own. But what would you put as the anyways, album of the year? Anyways, listen, these fucking losers this week, her <laughs> vinyl for Red released because um, it's, it's record day. Yep. Friday, which is, which is pretty cool. And she, of course, the machine that she is drops like 10 different limited edition versions of this vinyl. So these fucking psychos go out and buy them all. And then they probably open up their new turntables. They ordered off Amazon. Yep. And they're everyone was freaking out on Twitter because they didn't know the difference between 45 and 33. RPM. Oh my God. So everyone's playing it in 33. She recorded it in 45 and it's like, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, I got a bad copy of the red vinyl. I got a bad copy of the red vinyl. Who the, how did they release all these vinyls that were like, like produced? Corrupted. Oh my God. Yeah. It, it was, it was fucking high comedy. Oh my God! And that's fucking idiots. So they're all off my list. You can't uh, be a you can't be a fucking hipster and try to be ironic and into this whole vinyl thing that's making a comeback and be dumb. Facts, damn facts, goddamn Dante. Let's go. Uh, you bought your vinyl record player from Urban Outfitters. You're a fucking loser. Yeah, I I paid three hundred and forty dollars for a turntable. Dante, out of curiosity, what would you say is your favorite album of the year? Oh, King Disease 2. Ooh, really good. Really good. I don't know anything that tops it. Not that this year was that great, but for me. We have uh, some place. good stuff. I mean, uh, it's really? been a weird it's been a weird year. Um, I loved the J. Cole album. Me too. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's not a fucking album of the year nominee. Um Dude, I just said Tyler because I love the entire vision around it. I thought it was really good. And I, he wrapped his ass off too. So that was also a great performance last night on the AMAs. But I mean, I could if, be this, if, if this Kendrick album drops in the next three weeks, like it's supposed yeah. to. Uh, late, I mean, late edition. It, it's already such a dry year that I can pretty much guarantee that's going to be album of the year. We'll have to do a whole year end rundown at, for an episode later. Sure. Yeah, I, I actually have a great idea I want to run by you guys off camera that I wanted to do last year, but I didn't have any fucking help or manpower. But I Let's think four of us can pull off. Boom, we'll get into that. Uh, to wrap it up, my off the list is Canada. Sorry, Frank Walker. Uh, Canada pulled Andrew Scholes. You guys know Andrew Scholes, comedian, podcaster, one of the biggest yeah. comedians in the world. Uh a venue called Massey Hall in Canada actually canceled his show because they said that after booking him and it's selling out, they found out that he has inappropriate jokes and they pulled his show from the theater. Hey, so, what? Yep. They canceled his show because they found his comedy inappropriate. Comedy. Inappropriate. Does not make any fucking sense to me at all. It's crazy like, that Massey Hall still fucking exists. Too. Here's the thing, though. He upgraded it to a venue with a thousand more seats and it sold out in seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Shouts out to Andrew Scholes. Shouts out to comedians who are willing to say some off the wall shit. And Canada, get over hey, yourself. What does he, I, I haven't heard him before. What does he say that's so controversial? 
He's a he has a podcast called Flagrant Two. It's him it's and awesome. Akash Singh. It's an amazing podcast. It's incredible. But it's he's very it's very cultural. Like he also has a podcast with Charlemagne the God. Like he's he just is a comedian. He just it's not like that crazy. He's a roast comedian too. Like he'll fucking heckle the crowd like crazy and say the gnarliest shit about them. But everybody's laughing, having a good time. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's hilarious. Great guy. Uh, so Canada, get over yourself. Laugh a little bit. It's not that big of a deal, man. We're all going to die anyway. Relax. Uh, let's go into what the fuck we've been listening to to get out of here. Uh, I'll start it out. Uh, I have a song that Foxtrot put out last year that we're actually re-releasing next month that I just realized again that I loved. It's called Too Little Too Late. I picked myself. Fuck you guys. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> we're dropping two songs next month, and we're re-releasing Too Little because it got really overshadowed by a lot of the other shit we put out last year. I picked me. Feeling myself today. Uh, Dave, <laughs> Kenny, Kenny, you probably don't have this moment. Don't you ever just have a moment where you listen to something that you made and you're just like, I was on one that day. Oh, 100%. There, I have, um, I plan on putting out a fitness B side records, calling it like six or seven songs that never came out. Uh, just because you go back and you're like, why did I not put this on the record? This is so good. Yeah. And you don't want to just sit in a hard drive for 20 years, you know? Fuck that. Don't be precious with your art is a lesson I learned from Kenny Carkey. Dave Williams, what the fuck have you been listening to? Uh, going off my last Spotify plays, we were listening to Amos Lee. Ooh. Big Amos Lee fan. Yeah, He's great. David. Famous Hell Amos? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Amos, a Amos. Amos Lee, really cool story, was a public school teacher in Philadelphia. Yeah, he was a he math was, teacher. Until he was 31, shit, yeah. and he started doing... Uh, Open mics and has since become one of the biggest AAA radio stars in the country. Yep, love it. He's got a he's got an awesome backstory. He kind of yeah. goes into it a little bit he's in, a, in a few of his songs. So yeah, he, I, I love Amos Lee. Amos Lee, Just, it's great cruising music. Yes, it is. You know, great call. I fucking uh, love stories like that about people that haven't made it or found their calling till later in life because it's it's so inspirational. <laughs> people think, oh you yeah, know, once you're thirty or forty that you're stuck and you can never change directions or pivot. And do it. How Our favorite stories was when we had Fitz from Fitz and the Tantrums on. Like he was what fifty when he hit it. He was twenty nine, being told that he was too old to do it. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. Way. Yeah, oh, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. In he got the scale, times. I think it's funny that in the scale of the world, we said like he was thirty one and then decided to go for it, and we're like that old dinosaur motherfucker <laughs> in reality it's like you're not really that old Yo, it's and just, speak, speaking of finding your light later in life if you guys don't listen to that rodriguez record i'm gonna fucking commit it's one of I the did. best records on earth it's dude so i i told you that i don't know if that was yeah, know, yeah, text Dave, message Dave, or anything yeah, it, that that dude's fucking so good man you believe that record was out for 30 years before i had really never heard of him never heard of any of his music i was yeah. like this guy is fucking awesome that dog awesome is good too the phrase "I'm gonna commit" is my new favorite thing. I that's <laughs> fucking so funny. To you me. can breathe anything, man. <laughs> commit suicide. I'm about to commit, dog. Uh, Kenny, did I ask you what you've been listening to? No, you did not. What have you been listening to? A lot of disappointment lately uh, <laughs> in the new release fucking category. I've been trying to find, but this Florida boy can go back to his roots any day. And the last like three days, I've been playing nonstop Rick Ross, the fucking boss. Uh. That Miami motherfucker is so good. Like today, I was listening to uh, "The Devil Is Alive" with him oh. and fucking Hova. Hova, bro, 
four stacks for the heels on my bitch feet, feet. car seat still smelling like, smelling 10 like 10 keys. <laughs> Tell the plug I'm looking for an increase. Wing stop fat boy need a 10, 10 piece. piece. Get yes. out of town, bro. Yes. I love him. I'm anyway, Rick Ross, the boss, been going deep. Dante, what's your opinion on this? I think Rick Ross has the best beat selection in current hip hop. I think he picks oh, the perfect yeah. beat for himself. It's so Miami. It's so per like perfectly he, he's Miami. Just, what I mean. he's, he's just so good, man. He's smart as fuck. He's I'm I actually I cracked his book, but I didn't have time to finish it. He just put a book out that's called like <laughs> Level Up or Boss Up or some shit. Love it. Of course, it's about it's like about entrepreneurial aspirations. I mean, he's. He's a character. I mean, everyone knows his story, right? Yeah. You mean, you mean uh, CEO Rick? Yeah. So he's still kind of shaking off some in the hip hop community are kind of, you know, doubters. But um, yeah, I mean, he's super fucking talented. That man. voice, dude. So consistent. You recognize it anywhere. So he's consistent. Now, too. For sure. I know. Gaz, yeah. was, uh, Gaz was with him at Live On over the weekend. I and, saw uh, that. Yeah, last time I saw him, he threw up in uh, or on my CDJs. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of in which, I bought a pair of jeans like shoes. three weeks ago, and I haven't got them from Warren, so you better tell his ass to drop them off. All right, I will. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, joking. That's another great. That's I. That we got to do this stories episode because it. We'll do that soon. I think that's got to happen. Uh, I think that'd be a good one right before the new year. Yeah, just. The, the weirdest shit that we've encountered, just the wildest stuff, like just the people we can't believe we're in the room with, like Rick Ross throwing up on your headphones. That's no, the CD, the CD players at the club. We were doing, oh a, shit, it was Patriots, uh, their last Super Bowl after it was a parade after party, and he performed, and we were drinking so much Bel Air. That's his like champagne, yeah, black <laughs> bottles, black yeah, bottle so boy. He uh, ducked down, and I looked up, and there was fucking vomit all over my shoes. What do you even say? What do you even say at that point? Like, Rick Ross, you just threw up on me. <laughs> kind of honored. <laughs> yeah, scam boss. Kind of huh. honored. Uh, Dante, wrap us up here. What the fuck have you been listening to? Uh, I'm going to swerve here. I know no one else really listens to EDM, but Alesso dropped a new song. Not new. It's actually, like, two to three years old he teased it back in 2019 it's called somebody to use one of the, the really cool things about electronic music and these producers is they can they play all these big festivals and they're year round now and they can try out tracks mm. in front of live crowds and get an immediate feedback and response to it and then they can either be like, all right, this is a smash. I know it's going to work and release it. Or they can take it back and tinker it, tinker with it, adjust it um, based on the reaction they get and the feedback they get. And they don't name these tracks. They call them IDs. And their fans go on these boards and, you know, comment about them. They rip iPhone recordings of them and everyone talks about them and, basically get instant feedback from your fans right then and there. And that's what he did. And he finally released it and people are going crazy for it. It's a great song. It's fucking outstanding. I've seen Alesso awesome live, like really, really great. 
But uh, it's funny because that's a full circle moment for this episode of the podcast because Frank Walker was talking about uh, he has this song with Two Feet, who's an all, like an all artist that they collaborated on that he's played live a few times and he got feedback on it. And now they're finally putting it out. So it's literally exactly what we're talking about. And that's how we wrap the episode up this week. That was a really good. Uh, that was a good turnaround, boys. Uh, I guess last and final thing next week, three of us are together in Chicago. Wish Fest, Dave, you... you Should be four, but... I know. Well, if Kenny can take his single-engine Cessna plane over to Chicago, fight his way over the Rocky Mountains. Kenny's busy, baby. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) Come grab some Harolds with me. Yeah, yeah. You won't. Uh, But no, I'm really excited. We're going to get a lot done that week. Uh, Show's going to be amazing. Great cause. Everybody come out if you're in Chicago. Come hang out. Drink and fucking raise some money for a good cause. Can't say any more. It's, it's my favorite event of winter. I cannot wait for it. I can't wait either, man. I'm really excited. Uh, gentlemen, great episode. We'll be back. I don't think we're going to do another episode this week because of the holiday. Maybe we'll, we'll find some time to do something quickly. But either way, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Go get high, argue with your family, and eat a bunch of food. That's really all I got this week, boys. Anything else from you guys? That's all I got. That's happy it, Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, Beautiful. Yeah, happy happy holidays, everybody. Take it easy, everybody. Bye.